another little episode of Half Hour with Astro Theatre Company. We are here today with a really awesome Kansas City theater artist and just a really <laughs> joyous person, I will say. Um, well, the one thing that comes to mind when I think about this person is that I would call them a food pusher. They're always kind of throwing food at you in the dressing room in a good way. You feel very taken <laughs> care of by this person. Uh, the one, the only Bradley Thomas. What's up, man? Hello, hello. Good to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you too. How you been? Uh, surviving in this in this weird world that we're living in right now. It's, uh, you know, as things are, I guess, tapering down, not so much uh, uh, heading towards the vaccine is a, is a good thing, I think. Hopefully. Yes, yes. <laughs> have you been able to get your little shot yet? I have not. Uh, my partner has. Uh, she works for the police department, uh, and uh, that the virus just went through there like gangbusters, like sixteen times in the oh, past no. like, year. So, like, and it would like knock out like huge swaths of of both like communications, which is like uh, the you know when you call nine one one, those people, officers, and like her work, which is uh, in uh, in uh, property and evidence. Uh, it went through there and like everyone with the exception of her got sick um and was out for like two to four weeks system i suppose uh i think she (laughs) just really got lucky uh and then uh because she's like she has health problems uh and is older and so i was like at any point in time i was just like am i gonna bring something home like Mm. going out shopping and everything uh but no she finally got the vaccine and so uh home life is a little safer now and I think that's the the best part about this because I'm like, okay, now I, I don't have to worry about her. I just have to worry about me. I'm in pretty good health. Uh, you know, I, I am 41, but that's still in the bracket of like, uh, it's okay. Right. So I hopefully within like the next two or three weeks, hopefully get the first shot. But I want like teachers to get the shots because I, you know, kids going back to school and parents, you know, and everything just. Right. It feels like they should be first on the list. I would say also with like, police officers and EMT workers and folks like that. I mean, let's, let's, let's get them guys. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Um, (laughs) I know I, I feel in my age bracket there, I feel like we're kind of last, last invited to the party, which is fine. I think, you know, that's correct. But at this point, I'm just like, what any day now, whenever I can get this. I mean, if I have to sit at like a Walgreens for like three days until somebody's like, well, nobody mm. showed up. So here, let's stick this in your arm. I'll be like, that's great. Yeah, let's do this thing. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'll do it for sure. Um, <laughs> Bradley, let's learn a little bit about you. You were born yeah. and then what happened? So where, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And when did you fall into uh, this crazy art world that that we live in? Ooh, that's that. Those are all good questions. Uh, I used to, <laughs> my origin story was kind of, uh, I used to deliver it as a monologue actually for auditions because it was kind of a, a weird convoluted thing. So it, I had it boiled down for the longest time. Oh my God. Um, you got to publish it. it. <laughs> I, I, sh- I Get really some should. royalties. Exactly. You know, <laughs> people would be doing it and I, you know, sitting at a casting table and somebody comes and says my origin to me, I'd be like, okay that's that's awesome and weird not, not quite right i wouldn't have done it this way but i'll take it you need to add this kind of flourish uh uh i was i was born in dayton ohio um my mother was uh what you call a lady of the evening okay uh, yeah uh she... as brie wood said in our first episode now everyone is pro ho so we we celebrate exactly that. exactly absolutely um 
And uh, so she <laughs> she didn't really want me uh, because uh, of a certain pigmentation that I had when I was born. Uh, mm. And so she left me with a family in Dayton, Ohio and went out to uh, Oregon where my grandparents were. My grandparents, knowing that she had the baby, uh, asked her where the baby was. And she was like, I didn't want him. Uh, so uh, my grandparents said, you know, screw that. We'll take him. Uh, and so uh, when I was two months old, my grandparents adopted me. I was originally born Werthner von James III. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, and when my grandparents adopted me, they renamed me Bradley James Thomas or Bradford Seamus Thomas. I can mm. uh, pick and choose. I can't mix and match. Uh, and at one point in time, I had uh, uh, social security cards in all three names. Uh, all right. Same number, but all three names. Uh, and uh, my birth certificates, uh, I had both Werthner von James's birth certificate as well as, well as Bradley James slash Bradford Seamus. Uh, and all of that stuff now has gone by the wayside. I had a storage unit that got sold out from under me with all of my personal belongings in it. And when I, I say sold out from under me, I was, I was, yeah, yeah. Never keep, never keep important documents in a, in a, in a storage unit. I can see why this is such an effective monologue because already, I mean, wow, wow. What, yeah. a, what a foundation for your personality and your humanness to arrive from. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you're growing up in Oregon with your grandparents. And yes. when, when did you start to find or be attracted to music or theater performance? Uh, from a very young age, I had a really big imagination like uh to the point where i could create huge scenarios with just basic objects in terms of like setting up scenes and setting up characters like uh like you know i can make a cheese grater be you know the the bad guy villain that's gonna shred you up uh <laughs> and things like that you know, really just now that I'm thinking about it, ridiculous things, but to a child and slash the adults around a child, it was a very entertaining process to go through. Mm -hmm. um, I started doing voices and things like that for the characters. Uh, and then I started uh, mimicking sounds and songs on the radio from like the age of two on. Huh. So, uh, and that's how I actually learned to sing which was I would just mimic everything that I heard. And uh, at that point in time, I had a 90% didact didactic memory. So I would just remember everything mm. for the most part. Uh, and uh, it really helped kind of formulate what, what would later be my uh, style of acting, which is quick memorization and then the ability to reform what I've memorized into uh, character. That's very cool. Um, wow, 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 that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. And where did, it, where did it go after that? And when did you find, like, was there a moment when you decided that this might be something that you could study or do as a living? Like, when, when did that happen? Um, when did that spark sort of get fanned into a flame? You know, it actually started at the age of five. Uh, we, I, I, my grandparents, uh, when they adopted me, were very poor, um, but they knew they wanted to raise uh, a child to to help them. 
mm-hmm. not to help them, but to help the child. Sure. Uh, and uh, and I actually ended up helping them because they had a lot of health issues as well. So I kind of grew up with a great imagination, but with a great amount of responsibility to help my parents just live in, in terms of, you know, making sure that they were okay. Mm. Um, so I, I was an adult trapped in a kid's body with a huge imagination. <laughs> I mean, uh, what fertile <laughs> ground for art for an artist. <laughs> and so I, I, uh, there was a commercial audition that I went in uh, at age of five, knowing that we were poor, uh, and it paid fairly well. It, they had it had a residual check and everything, and so uh, I booked it, and that was the first kind of like, well, I can. As a child, I can still help my parents with money mm. and and still do something that I really enjoy. What was the spot? Uh, do you remember? It was for Chuck E. Cheese. Yes, Chuck E. Cheese. Come on. Uh and uh and and then uh years later, I actually became Chuck E. Cheese for three years. I have I have a lot of mascot training, but uh, oh, uh I was God. Chuck E. Cheese for three years. I was the pr- uh predominant west coast Chuck E. cheese uh and would go up and down the west coast to various uh showbiz entertainment uh venues uh both Chuck E. cheese and uh their other weird one that wasn't Chuck E. cheese but still used all of the animatronics sure uh and uh <laughs> and and i would do like mascot soccer games at like coliseums and things like that uh there was one time i knocked off mr peanut's uh uh hat at one of these mascot oh, soccer games, put I it on Chucky's head and then got it stuck. Mr. Well, Peanut is scary. He'll fuck with you with his cane. That's scary. You know, it's, I <laughs> I would say yes, but they had this, sadly, and I didn't know this at the time, it was a very small, thin young lady that was in the, the Mr. Peanut costume <laughs> and I knocked her over and she couldn't get back up on her own. Oh no. So here I am running around the stadium with Mr. Peanut's head stuck on Chuck E. Cheese's own head. Uh, and she's just rolling around in the peanut costume trying to get up, and other mascots trying to help her, but they have you know the giant hands and everything. Oh my we had God. we had one that didn't have like the giant hands and giant head, and I think that was the the uh, long John Silver's pirates, uh, who oh. had to literally take off their hook in order to like pick the poor girl up i i feel bad about that so if if you're listening i am sorry mr (laughs) miss peanut uh but uh yeah but life happens you know i feel like that's kind of a danger that's kind of a danger when you you know when you sign up to be part of the mascot community you know that there's a little bit of danger there that that might be entailed exactly (laughs) so how did you find your way to kansas city after all the mascotting and the you know starting to get into the commercial life and performance in general you're singing you're listening to the radio where does kansas city fall in your trajectory uh artistically well uh i i uh let me backtrack a little bit on that because I went to uh, I went to Portland State University uh, mm-hmm. after my mom passed away. I was originally supposed to go to either Juilliard or Hofstra, uh, and when my mom passed away, that kind of derailed my plans because uh, mm-hmm. I had to stay and take care of my dad. So I stayed on the West Coast, which ended up being fortuitous because I I kind of broke the color barrier there in Portland, uh, which helped uh, to kind of pave my way to 
more professional work and and to Kansas City. So mm. uh, as as becoming a professional uh, there in Portland, I started to work more and more up and down the West Coast and got hired at a theater company in Longview, Washington uh, by a friend of mine uh, who I had done a show with there previously. She actually hired me to be an actor in residence at uh, Longview Stage. Oh, very fun. Uh, the problem was our housing fell through. So she ended up putting uh, myself and another actor uh, that was uh, coming up from Portland uh, at her house. And so uh, spent, you know, about six months at, at this poor woman's house. Uh, <laughs> and uh, over the course of that, uh, my friend who was, traveling up and down with me from from portland to the theater um who was also staying there um she was like you know you should really think about the the, the person you know the the person that hired us she's she's wonderful she's great and mm. you should think about you know seeing her and i'm like no she's she's not interested uh and <laughs> turned out she was and uh <laughs> and so we we kind of uh over the course of that time kind of got more get, you know got to know each other uh and then uh okay. one thing led to another and we we started dating started seeing each other and she left uh after stage works kind of not folded but restructured uh she left the theater uh to um work in the private sector uh with uh with a engineering firm uh, as a cost analyst for wow. some unknown reason. I wish <laughs> I had enough skills to leave theater for any other job. <laughs> yeah. Not that I want to yeah. leave, but I mean, to be able to have, to be able to switch like that, I imagine she must be quite smart and um, um, yeah. well-connected, I would say. She, uh, it, it actually started out as a temp job, which was mm. the most bizarre thing. So it started out as a temp job and then she got hired permanently and then they moved her up and then they were like, well, we'll move you out to our corporate offices in KC or in the KC environs. Sure. And uh, she was like, uh, okay. And at that point in time, oh, so my career uh, was at that point in time, kind of red hot. Like I was getting offers from like uh, LA and Seattle and okay. TV work and film work. Um, I was uh, on our way uh, to, uh, after we packed up and we're driving to uh, KC after she got the job, I got a call when we hit the uh, Boise or the uh, Idaho Washington border mm -hmm. by uh, a casting director in Portland going, Hey, so all you have to do is come in tomorrow and you have this job. It's a, it's a series they've already picked up. Uh, to do uh, one season and the rights are out for the second season. All you have to do is come in. The character's pretty much written specifically for you uh, and just show up tomorrow to the casting. And I'm like, I can't. If you would have called me yesterday, maybe. Right. But I'm, I'm wow. moving. Uh, and uh, I found out later that the series was Leverage on TNT. <laughs> uh, they re had to restructure a character because I didn't come in. They changed the character. The character was originally supposed to be a um, <clears throat> a hacker that was um, accused of uh, a terrorist act on 9-11, mm. but and spent 
a few years in in Guantanamo Bay and didn't and it didn't happen. So mm. he was released, uh, and he you know he was still a hacker. So they were hiring him to be a hacker for the bad guys turned good. You know, hack for good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, wow. So, so I imagine like feeling and leaving to start a new chapter in Kansas City from the West Coast may have felt a little bittersweet with, you know, as you said, kind of getting these offers, like truly as you're driving out of town. But I imagine that could also maybe bolster your confidence for the future community that you're about to come to. Was there like a bit of both of those feelings happening? Or, or what do you remember about that time? I mean, yeah, I mean, there was there was some there was some trepidation coming to someplace that I had only, you know, seen on tv and movies and followed like sporting wise um uh but knowing that it was a more centralized location in the u.s mm. uh to be able to you know take more advantage of the east coast take more advantage you know plus you know i'm only six hours from the west coast i'm only six hours from the east coast you know three hours from chicago you know it's 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 pretty it's Kansas City is pretty great in that aspect, as well as other so many aspects. I could, yeah, yeah. you know, I could spend a and three hours talking about and still not even scratch the surface about sure. how great Kansas City is. Yeah, and I imagine it also might be. I mean, you said that you were starting to break through a lot of barriers in Portland and be sort of hired a lot there and known for your work. But I imagine the downside to that may may be breaking out of the mold that people see you in. So coming to Kansas City. I imagine could have been an opportunity to be seen in a new light previous to your experience on the West coast. Is that true? I mean, yes. And, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I did a lot of, a lot of musicals in Oregon and Washington mm. and, and California, um, and was kind of predominantly known for that, uh, as a kind of a, utility player in in musicals as well as you know theater work and and, and straight plays um and then coming to uh kc i've really tried to balance um musicals and straight plays um to show that i'm i'm more well-rounded than just mm. a song and dance man mm. um and that's it's in important to me to be able to have that ability and 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 to and for people to see that yeah. uh, rather than uh pigeonholing it's 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 awful well and you know and again coming to kc i still had to you know it's it's hard with the thought process of seeing yourself versus seeing how others see you mm. as an actor um, that's huge. And I, I mean, I feel like that takes so long to develop even through school. And it's kind of, I feel like when you begin to be hired as an artist, you can kind of realize this is my type or how people see me or the jobs that I guess I'm qualified to do in this community. But yet I feel like there's other aspects kind of in, in my toolbox that may not sort of be seen as the first thing that would make me attractive to certain contracts, you know what I'm saying? But exactly. in, in terms of the kind of stuff you enjoy doing, what's your favorite stuff to work on? Like, do you enjoy the straight plays more or, you know? I mean, I, I think I, I genuinely 
say this in all honesty, it depends on the show. Hmm. Uh, there are musicals that I love that I've had that I've had personally bad experiences working on. There are straight plays that I've, you know, that never really struck me as as something that I've wanted to do, but then have done them and love them and mm. vice versa. Um, it, it also depends on who, who you're working with. Um, your experience and the working and the, environment the culture around the show. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Cause you, you know, you can have a, a wonderful cast, but if the, um, if the structure of the working environment is terrible, then, then there's almost, nothing that can be done right you might have a stressful experience making making the piece <laughs> exactly right exactly um but it, you know and, and a lot of it is you know i i look at looking at myself in the mirror i'm not exactly white i'm not exactly black i'm not exactly you know uh i've i've played a lot of ethnic characters in my in my time hmm. i've played a lot of non-ethnic characters in my time um and it's it's having people see me for me and not the color of my skin that uh, really, really boils down where I stand in uh, in a community, but not only that, in a company. Hmm. Um, because I, I would rather be seen, sure, you know, there are a lot of roles that, you know, the right look is is needed but there are a lot of roles that it's not about the look it's not about the color it's it's about the people's preconception of what those roles are mm, yes and Let's talk about that a bit can you give me an example um okay so a nondescript role is like amos hart in chicago mm-hmm. um a character that at no point in any character breakdown should it ever say an ethnicity at all. Right. It's there not is mentioned nothing. in any of the dialogue or songs. Exactly. Right. Actually, but, I think, yeah, go ahead. But predominantly, it is a character that is played by a Caucasian actor. A hundred percent, yeah. Uh, whereas the character of Billy Flynn has been played by all sorts of actors. Hmm. Uh, same show, um, which, you know, it, which is great. Uh, I actually got a chance to play Amos a few years ago uh, at the uh, um, Lewis and Shirley White Theater at uh, the Jewish Community Center of mm -hmm. Kansas City um, and uh, was a great experience. Um, but it was one of those that's, wasn't I, I wasn't really seen as an Amos until the audition. Like, and I mm. went in and auditioned. Uh, and I was even told by the director, we didn't really see you when you walked in as an Amos and you brought way more than what is typically brought at an audition. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and I was thankful for that. Uh, the, you know, another, another role that's, um, is not typically someone who you think of as someone who is of a darker hue is like uh, Jay Pierpont Finch in how to success this without really trying. Mm -hmm. um, and that character, even though like 
uh, Ralph Macchio, uh, TV's or uh, films Karate Kid, uh, <laughs> uh, was uh, the secondary once uh, the revival happened and Matthew Broderick, uh, who originally starred in the revival, left the show. Uh, he was the secondary lead that stepped in and then toured the show hmm. uh who is you know a, a you know a, a wonderful actor who i think is sometimes typecast in terms of his look and you know that's la and that's that's new york in in terms of smaller markets i think talent should be first and foremost what is seen hmm. versus the color of the skin now you know there are caveats to that you know there are you know August Wilson plays that sure you know should speak not be... to a, a specific experience of folks of color that yeah must exactly. be a- adhered to and I would say are arguably in the in the playwright in the script we are made privy to that information you know exactly the special or like you know the color purple or things that are around a specific experience with those um, you know folks of color telling that story should yes. obviously be held and um, keyed into by folks of color that because it's specifically about that story. But I think what I hear you saying is things that are nondescript or maybe traditionally have been thought as white stories or played by white characters. I think if we begin to break down those walls and color colorfully cast those stories and those scripts, there can be some real fun and ingenuity and humanness that we can bring to these frankly kind of usually old or diluted versions of what our collective human truth is right because if we only see these stories played and reflected by white actors what are we who are we making that work for you know ultimately it's a white audience so what if we can colorfully cast and also try to make sure our audience is reflective of the world we're creating on stage you know to put those folks in places of power or fun roles they might never be thought of for before. I think that's like the real work that has to be done. Exactly. Well, and you know, and I, I, I look at, you know, the Kansas city rep as a, as a, as a big example Hmm. of um, a place that has the, the chance and ability to have, you know, color conscious and, create i hate the term creative casting because it shouldn't be thought of as that exactly there shouldn't be a yes. weird stigma with having uh people of uh, of color or ability or um or even age really yeah to 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 have that stigma around it it's it not that be... creative it should be actually no. common sense it should be normal <laughs> exactly and yeah. you know i i look at the rep with you know it, Christmas Carol and I, I uh, I've been fortunate enough to have been a part of that for for seven or eight years. Now. Yes, that's where we met um, last year. Yes, uh, and uh, and have have kind of moved through different roles in the show, seen a lot of people come and go, hmm. um, and seen some some pretty wonderful casting choices in that show. Uh, with the rep in terms of like not going with the traditional you know oh this this is britain in the in the 17 and 1800s so it must be all whites which it wasn't back then 
you know, it, there was <laughs> London there is was a historically lots. wildly diverse place. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you know, uh, FX did a a very dark a Christmas Carol that was very uh, multi ethnic um, and uh, multicolored. That was that reminded me a lot of I think what the rep strives for in terms of uh, what they look at. Mm. Um, and I was also fortunate to be in uh, uh, Sweeney Todd there. Um, and it was, and it was again, uh, not a, I was in a role that was not, is not traditionally cast with someone of a darker hue. It, mm. You know, uh, Beetle Bamford is usually, well, also usually very much large, imposing person. And I am, a, a teddy really bear, a kind of teddy bear, I would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, you know, and I got to work with uh, a number of, uh, a couple of out-of-towners that were wonderful, um, but also a lot of KC talent that was great. And mm. uh, and a, a, a multicolored band. The orchestra for that was was very diverse. That's fantastic. So that was also great to see um, because a lot of, uh, in, in my view, a lot of orchestras uh, across the country have not been. Are super you know, white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. In terms of I mean, musical theater. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I mean, also, I think there is work going on in, that, in those unions to make sure that diversity is encouraged and mandatory. And because also there's kind of channels that, for instance, national tours have to go through to get to like local musicians on their stops because musicians sort of come and go off of those big touring projects. So how can we make sure that like, you know, first on the list of folks that will be in the running for those jobs will add to the diversity of the overall project, you know, exactly. like that's the work that needs to be done. It, it should, we should and especially as white, as a white person, I'm going to say this, we have to get to the place where when we see a show or a film or whatever, and the, everyone is white, that needs to be strange to us. Yeah. That needs to be yeah. something is off there because that is not what the world looks like. Yeah. And we need to ask ourselves, what message are we sending to the people who are coming to see the show about the kind of stories we want to tell? and the kind of artists that we want to compensate for our work and the community we're in if we're only hiring white people. And that goes for the cast, that goes for the crew, the orchestra, the creative team, you know, we've got a lot of work to be done there, I think. And I will say also, it goes for the house staff. You know, house managers, box office people, point of contact people, all of it should be diversified, you know? across the country not 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 just here in KC but across across the board there should be well and it should also be the best people for the job yes absolutely uh not just not just diversity for diversity's sake but you know being really stewards of the world and life itself mm will make us all better in terms of what we have to do to make this a more diverse and culturally rich 
community. Of course, because, you know, that that's us just steeping ourselves in the truth of the world, you know, yeah. and be, making truthful art because we're striving to reflect what the world actually looks like, you know, and by not doing that, we do ourselves a disservice, you know, we take tools out of our toolbox by, you know, casting non-creatively. <laughs> That's yeah. such a good point. Um, Bradley, what's, what's next for you? What are you working on now? And, and where can we find you? Oh my God, I can't believe it's already been 30 minutes. I know, <laughs> this went by really quick. Uh, well, I, I am uh, part of, and this is going to sound really bizarre, I am part of a streaming uh, uh, role-playing game on the, the streaming service Twitch uh, with Ghostlight's RPG uh, called Pitfalls and Ponies. It is a... <laughs> It is a D&D type RPG set in uh, the My Little Pony World of Equestria universe. This is fantastic already. Uh, it is all original ponies who, uh, who have met and have dealt with the Friendship is Magic uh, TV show ponies, but they are on a whole new adventure uh, in the full gotten realms. Full, as in horse. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of horse puns and they're fantastic. Uh, it is a family friendly stream Sunday mornings, uh, throughout the rest of March and into April. Uh, you can also find it, uh, at Ghostlight RPG's, uh, YouTube page. Uh, if you want to watch older episodes, uh, or, uh, podcast streams and things like that. Also on their Twitch page. Uh, I play, uh, Andromedo Kent, uh, 111 year old pony He's more of a horse than a pony. Uh, <laughs> well, he's matured. He's he's very mature, <laughs> but he's very forgetful. So he's forgotten much of his past. Uh, and it seems like some of his past is actually going to be found in the full gotten realms. Mm. Uh, and he actually may be much older than uh, the 111 years old that he has been portrayed as. Oh my God, the twists and turns. <laughs> All right, you hear that everyone? You got to tune into that. And where can we find you uh, otherwise? Where can we keep up with you? Uh, you can keep up with me on Facebook at Bradley J. Thomas uh, at uh, on Instagram, which I'm not really on as much as I should be, but uh, actor man BJT. Uh, and uh, you can usually find me uh, at uh, the black box uh, down in the West bottoms, uh, especially during uh, we're ramping up for uh, the uh, spring and summer season booking uh, for the out outdoor Oasis venue. Um, and I, it's looking like it's going to be like Tuesday through Sunday shows all, um, safety precautions taken, taken well into account. Uh, it's going to be a very socially distanced, very safe, but there's going to be a large amount of, uh, great music, theater, uh, comedy, um, hopefully movies again, uh, like we did in the, in the fall, uh, just to bring more entertainment to kc in a safe socially distanced way outdoors here so so yeah look look at that uh on their websites and hopefully uh working with your theater company in the future that's right uh, yes we're gonna to. make it happen for sure yeah. i mean first of all i think it's so amazing what y'all have been doing down in the west bottoms i mean creating community down there and finding ways to produce stuff in a safe way, even last summer and into this summer, because this will come out in a few weeks, but 
Yeah. It's just fantastic. So I really applaud all of the work that you all do. We chatted with Heidi a few weeks ago, and I think we're all on the same page. So we should really meld minds as yes. soon as possible, for sure. Um, Bradley, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We really appreciate it. You're yeah. so lovely, and it was great to hear a little, <laughs> a little bit about you. Um, I can't wait to see you in your My Little Pony garb. I got to tune in. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> All right, Bradley. Well, thanks again, and we'll talk soon, okay? Definitely. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.